so wonderful to be in God's presence together. And as Mel said, the band barely know each other, but there's a synergy, there's a flow, and it's just wonderful when brothers and sisters get together from all different parts of the world, and we can stand, we can worship, and not necessarily know each other, but there's an instant connection of hearts that takes place when we worship our, our amazing King together. And there's such a sense of expectation uh, in this place. I think uh, we have two nights, maybe two and a half days together. You know what's so wonderful is to come in um, ready, locked and loaded, ready to go. I think someone said yesterday about a warm-up song. Um, our band that in our church, I sat with our worship leaders and I said, our band, a warm-up song in the church. And they like looked at me like, because that's what they call it. The first song you sing is a, a warm-up. I said, actually, if you come prepared and the people come prepared, then we don't have to warm up to worship Jesus. Everybody just goes for it. Yeah. It is your responsibility to worship. It is my responsibility to get the church to a place of being prepared when they come. So let's go for it together. And so there's just an amazing sense of expectation I feel in this place. And uh, the word uh, restoration has been thrown around a few times in times of prayer, just in the words that have come. And I really feel that God wants to restore some things to us today and this weekend. Uh, another word I felt was reinstate. Things that have been taken from us, have been robbed from us, that God wants to reinstate some people um, over this time and to restore some things to you that might have been stolen. I remember it was uh, probably 18 years ago. We were back in South Africa still. And as it happens, sometimes in that nation, uh, our house was broken into. So I was at work. Laura was at work. And on my cell phone, I get a call from my home phone number. And there shouldn't be anybody at home. Now, that's a weird thing that happens. I see my home phone number, and I said, hello, hello, Rob. And this guy speaks to me. He said, it's sergeant, whatever, whatever, from the police force. I'm in your home. Your home has been broken to get home now. So I race back home, and uh, there is the police, and they've caught five guys who broke into the home. And they'd taken a whole lot of uh, stuff, packed it into suitcases, and they were about to go. But as the police van arrived into our property, these five guys split. They were like, boom, gone. So the police were like herding sheep and you know what it's like, or herding cats. I don't know which is easier. <laughs> but they found these five guys. And by the time I arrived home, the police van was on the road outside, and these guys were in the back. And the policeman said to me, are you missing anything still? So we went around, had a look. I had to find the video recorder and all our stuff. But we were missing a gold chain that belonged to Laura. I said, I'm missing a chain. And you know what the enemy does? The enemy likes to hold on to things in our lives as well. And uh, it took some coercing in the South African police fashion to get this chain out of the guy. And he had it hidden in his jeans. You know that in the old-fashioned jeans? He had that little inside pocket. And he had it in there. And so the policeman is hitting the guy in the back of the van on the public streets. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And he, he got tired. And he's saying, where is the chain? And the, the guy said... I haven't got it. It was in his pocket, but he wouldn't give it up. And the devil is like that sometimes with us. He robs, he steals, and he takes from us, and he, he refuses to give it back. And eventually the policeman got tired, and he said to me, well, you have a go at hitting him. Um, if you ever want a great holiday, South Africa is a great place to live and be. <laughs> I refused, and uh, but eventually, after much hitting, he said, he has your chain. But friends, my point is this, is that I believe God wants to restore some things to us, but sometimes we have to, we have to engage. We have to 
um, it's, it's a battle. You know, we don't sing a song, say a prayer, and, and it's all what the enemy has started and he gives back. He likes to hold on to those things he steals from us. And think about your own life. What has he stolen from your life? What is he taking from your life? He wants to hold on to those things. And I feel that we, we need to be standing. We need to be making choices. We need to be making decisions to say, actually, so far and no further. Amen? So much of what we do is about the choices and decisions we make. Our worship, it is a choice. It is a choice that we make to worship God. It is not based on a feeling. And as we speak about expectation, expectation is not an emotion. And so, so often we can think, well, you know, my expectation is, is connected to my, my feelings. Expectation is connected to your faith level. And your faith, if your faith is led by your emotions, you're in trouble. <laughs> I've been through moments in my life where my, my faith has been connected to my emotions. And my faith is on a mountaintop. Once I've sung the right song, Waymaker, he can do anything. My faith is there. And then I think about my circumstance, and then, oh, my word, my, it, it just drops back down. But, friends, expectation is a choice. We can choose to be expectant, and you can choose to be expectant over this time. You don't have to wait for the warm-up. You don't have to wait for the good feeling. You can say, actually, now, Lord, now, I choose to be expectant. And that is the faith that we place not in what we see. But we place it in the one who is always working, even when we don't see it. I was walking a few weeks ago, just uh, I call it a walk and talk, prayer time with God, just walking and talking with him. And I felt God drop one word into my mind while I was walking. And I'm walking just like, boom, lockdown. That word lockdown just dropped into my mind. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say through this, through this word? And I felt God saying that, that in a certain sense that his people in their hearts and minds, have gone into a spiritual form of lockdown. Now, as I talk about this lockdown, I'm not speaking about what's happening in our countries and what our governments are deciding to do or not to do. I'm not a politician. I'm not, I haven't got no comments to make on that. But I know for us and in my own home context, I'm a spiritual leader. And God needs us as spiritual leaders to stand up at this time and to recognize spiritually what is going on. Not talking about the natural, so we can relax. But we need to see what's going on spiritually and, and going on around us. So if I can make two comments before I start. And those two comments are, is that the more often we do something, the more we get used to doing that thing until it becomes the norm. Yeah? So we think about lockdowns, how many lockdowns you guys have been through, we've been through. Yeah, another one, another one. The first time we're like, no. The second time we're like, oh, not again. The third time we're like, oh, I'm glad for the peace and quiet at home. <laughs> for the introverts among us. <laughs> but the more often we do something, the more we get used to it, the more it becomes normal. And the second point I want to make is that the natural world overflows into the spiritual world and has an impact on the spiritual world, and vice versa. So when I make a comment saying that, I believe God is saying that there's a type of spiritual lockdown that has crept into our hearts and into our lives, it can be the fruits of something that's happened in the natural. So as we've gone through natural lockdowns, 
having to stay home, be off work, no kids at school, all those things. What can happen spiritually to us as well is that we can also go into a spiritual lockdown. And that's what I want to speak to us today about. If I can ask you a question and be honest, which you should be, because you're in church. How many of you here can testify that the churches you lead or the churches that you are a part of are fuller at this time than before COVID? There's more people, there's more passion, there's more faith um, in the life of the church. How many of you can testify that the church is more fruitful now than it was before COVID? Okay, don't see your hands, but just try and answer that question in your heart. Has this been a struggle for you and your churches? I know it has for us. And I was just reading a, a statistic, and it comes out the USA where they're great at doing surveys and, and statistics. And they say that 5% of churches are now in the same place they were before COVID or in a better place um, before COVID started. 5%. So 95% of churches have gone backwards over this time. They've gone into a form of lockdown. Tyron was sharing with us, we had the EU um, Zoom time with Tyron. He was sharing, sharing with us also in the States, 35,000 churches have shut down in the last two years of the COVID time. And I was saying, I think I was saying to Steve, if, if each church is 50, an average of 50 people, and Steve says, yeah, that's probably about right, says Steve. A church of 50 people times 35,000, that's 1.75 million people have been displaced spiritually over this time, just in the United States, never mind what's going on in other nations. 1.75 million people have been affected, have either had to, on our church list, or had to go and find another spiritual home because their church went into a form of lockdown. I sit with our, our pastors in our, in our city, and I listen to the stories, and my heart can break for them. To hear that they they say not even half, even when things have opened up again, that not even half of the people are coming back to church to be together and to worship. Some are saying, boom, we, we are flying, and, and but the most are saying we've we've gone backwards and we're struggling, struggling to recover. And friends, this is a very real thing that as the natural has overflowed into the spiritual, I think we can almost all of us say, yeah, uh, it has affected heck has affected us, has affected me in some way. I think we mustn't underestimate. Sometimes we can be like, yeah, the faith boys, but don't underestimate the impact of events like what's happened in the world um, the last two years. Sometimes it takes time to work out in our lives. I mean, sometimes we're just full of faith and we go, we go, we go, we put our heads down and we just charge, keep on charging. And then we go on holiday and we're like, huh? <laughs> We're like, oh, man, our knees are buckling. But friends, don't underestimate the impact of these times on us. It is so easy for our passion to go into lockdown, our joy to go into lockdown. Have any of you struggled with your joy level? I have. Can I be honest? I've struggled with my joy levels over the last while. That's been my prayer. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Become a grumpy old man. <laughs> Ask Laura. She says sometimes, don't be so grumpy. 
So my joy is uh, it's locked, locked down, locked down, hammer down, sometimes put in a coffin and nail down. And these are, these, honestly, friends, these are struggles over this time. What about you as leaders of churches and teams? Has your vision gone into lockdown? And all you can see is this great enemy which has come against us, trying to, trying to make us small again. And so even our vision as leaders can go into lockdown. So it's so important to, to see what God is doing at this time. And that means we have to have prophetic eyes. If we look with the natural, we think we're in trouble. But what is so important for us is to see in the spiritual, to have prophetic eyes to see what God is doing. Not to listen to our environment and the noise that is going on around us. Yeah. Friends, if we, if we take heed of the, of the noise and the, and the stuff that's coming through the media and the news and through, oh, it's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, there have been times I've had to say, switch the news off. I mean, I, I love watching the news. I sit on my bowl of cereal and I catch up on what's going on in the world every morning. And times I'm like, Jesus, deliver me from the news. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, it's important in tough times to go back to the prophetic words that God has spoken over us before the tough times started. And I'm speaking about lockdowns and I'm referring to COVID, but it can refer to anything in our life. Any tough moment, it can be a moment of sickness, it can be a moment of breakdown of relationship. But friends, it's so important to go back to what has God said? What has God said to me previous to what I am now going through? What is that strand of hope that I can hold on to? Those words of God. And Steve referred to the, the promises of God last night. I said to Malcolm in an app last night, I said, it's amazing to see. And that for me is such a, it's a wonderful thing to see, a confirmation of how God is speaking at this time. Yeah. Just the overlap. That's, that, that's just listening to Steve. I think, oh, Steve, that's my preach. That's my preach. That's my preach. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful just to see what God wants to say at this time. Yeah. Friends, this is not a time for us to be passive. This is not a time for us to sit back. This is not a time for us to find our couch and our remote control. The world is never, has never before been in such a needy place, in need of hope. True. Who carries hope? I tell you what, it's not BBC and CNN and all the rest. It is you and it is I. And the world is needing people who are going to stand up. And show people there is a rock that we can stand on, a rock which cannot be shaken. And that even if Russia is invading, and even if the world is getting sick, and who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows? And even if that you and I will stand on the rock and that we can take a hold of people and bring them onto the rock with us, the rock who is Jesus Christ. Guys, what a privilege. What a privilege to be the hope carriers. To bring hope into lives that are hopeless. People who are suffering. People who are struggling without hope. People who don't have hope essentially are, there's a sickness which starts to overwhelm our souls. A soul becomes sick when, there's a, when we lack hope. And guys, we have the hope that we can bring and we can share. God has a plan at this time and we need to be discovering what that plan is. We the church. And as Steve said last night, we need to boldly and courageously, boldly and courageously go and take this message of hope to people. 
You know what courage is, I was just thinking? Courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is stepping out in spite of the fear. Courage is we see what's going on around us, and we don't pull back. It's like running into the face of the face of the battle. That's courage. When you see the enemy is busy firing, bam, 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 and you run straight. We were taught that in the army back in South Africa. So we, I was a, a tank driver, and we had to go through drills. And so there was somebody in a hole they dug with an RPG. If you don't know what an RPG is, it's like a big gun thing shooting rockets at you. So my first response, if I see someone pointing a big cannon at me, is get out of here. But we had to go through drills that our minds overrode our, our response. And the response was, you drive straight at that thing. doesn't matter what you think's coming at you. You drive straight at it and you ride them over. And that was the, <laughs> the plan of attack. <laughs> Never mind, I was in a tank and I could have shot him. But, uh, but friends, that is courage. Courage is not... It is not responding to the circumstance around us, but it's in spite of the fear that we may feel. Again, that's an emotion. We keep on going and we take ground. So what I want to do this morning, I just want to share three prophetic pictures with us just to help us. If you are feeling that you're in some type of spiritual lockdown, maybe um, personally, maybe in your church, just to share three scriptures with you and just to unlock something um, in your hearts, in your minds, as we point ourselves back to the one who is our hope, Jesus Christ. So my first point, we'll come to the scripture, is how do we break out of this lockdown? Is we choose, again, not an emotion, we choose to start moving. You know what that means? To start moving. You can be sitting in your car and you can rev the car all you want, but you've got to engage. You've got to make a choice to start moving. See, in a sense, we become paralyzed. We, we go into a form of lockdown through three things. And the first thing is that thing of fear. We're like, ah! and we want to get out of here. Another thing which affects us is comfort. We go into lockdown because of our comforts. And we're like, actually, this has become very comfortable. I don't, why must I go out there? Why must I go to church? Why must I go and be the church? I'm very comfortable in my... And this is one of the greatest problems that is facing the church at this moment. We have done our utmost to bring the gospel and to continue to stay open as churches by bringing live streams. And in a certain sense, I've said to our elders, we've shot ourselves in the foot because we've made it too easy for people to stay home. I don't know how you do your church. It's up to you. But I'm just saying... Don't make life too comfortable for people. Be a paracletos and be someone who's comforting, but that picture of a paracletos is someone with a sword pricking, or oh, I thought my mind's going to Dutch, um, spurring, prodding them, prodding them on. And another thing which brings us into lockdown at this time is lost vision, that we are no longer able to see. All we see is the circumstance, situation around us, distracted by the present circumstances and we lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of what God has, has called us for. We lose sight of the prophetic promises that God has spoken over us. So three months after leaving Egypt, we find the story back with the Israelites. They're at the mountain of the Lord. Moses has received the Ten Commandments. Very spiritual moment. 
The Israelites have done their thing with the golden calf, very unspiritual moments. A lot of stuff going on at Mount Sinai or, or Horeb, as the same mountain. A lot of stuff going on, but there comes a moment where God sees that his people have become stuck. God has got a plan for them. God has spoken prophetic promises over them, but they are stuck. You know that feeling? Have you ever been stuck? Sometimes you're driving in your car and you can... I know my, remember my first car. It was a Ford Escort panel van. Surfboards on the roof. I was like the, the dude in Durban. And, uh, but the problem with this car, it only cost me 800 rand, which is probably like two pounds. <laughs> it didn't have a working fuel gauge. So I had to calculate in my mind, so much fuel gave me so many kilometers to the beach and sometimes not back. And so often I got stuck on the side of the road. And with no fuel, I'm not going anywhere. Or maybe you've driven a 4x4 and you've got stuck in the mud. And it doesn't matter how much power that thing's got, you're not going anywhere. And so maybe you felt like that in life. Or maybe you feel like that now. that you, Or even as a church, that you, you're stuck. You know the promises of God, but we're not, actually, we're not engaged. We're not going anywhere. And so this is the, the problem the Israelites found themselves in. So Deuteronomy 1, I think it should come up on the screen. Have you got it on the screen, Mike? If you don't have it, we have our things called Bibles. And, uh, but Deuteronomy 1 verse 6, I'll just read it to you. It says, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. So what God is saying is you have not yet reached your destination. And maybe you have got into a kind of lockdown. Enough. And God says in verse 7, Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples of the Arabah in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river and Euphrates. And in verse 8 he says, See, look, I have given this land to you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to you, your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the descendants after them. See, there were prophetic promises spoken to Israel, which I'm sure even in their sinning with the golden calf and all this stuff going on, I'm sure they would have remembered that those promises were in the back of their mind somewhere. If they had to just stop and think, what has God said? They would have remembered. And God was saying to them, actually, now it is time to start moving. Now it is time for you to bring those promises from the back of your mind back into the foreground to see what I have said over you. How important is the prophetic in our lives? And tonight we're going to hear more about that. The prophetic, how God sees and how God speaks. And friends, sometimes we allow those prophetic things that God has spoken to shift to the back of our minds and we just we enter survival mode and we enter a lockdown. And we're just trying, to, just trying to get through. I feel God would say to us this morning, choose. Choose to start moving again. And our moving starts with bringing the promises from, from behind us to in front of us again. It was April last year, right in the midst, the deepest parts of, of the whole COVID time. And we had just finished an EU Zoom time. Wonderful, all the Zoom stuff, eh? <laughs> with, uh, with the EU team. And Vanessa Delay, and if you, Fred, and Lessa, Fred and Vanessa, they lead the church in Paris. It was the end of the time, and she just felt she had a prophetic word for Laura and I. And she said, she said to us, it's time, Coravaz, it's time to take the hill country. Don't allow the difficulty of the times to stop you. I'm like, thanks, Vanessa. Write it down as you do. Put it on my pinboard uh, above my desk. And I thought, actually, wonderful. I, I, can't even, I can't even go there right now. 
it's time to take the hill country was the word. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to lead a church through this time. I just thought, actually, I'll get back to it later. And you know, it was, I think in December, that was April and December, I felt God start to stir my heart again. And God said to me, Rob, it's time to start moving. And December, beginning of December, God said to me, Rob, it's time to start moving again. 16th of December, the Netherlands, the only country in Europe, goes into a hard lockdown again. Everything shut except the supermarkets. God's saying it's time to start moving, and next thing we're facing is a lockdown again. And for the umpteenth time, I've got our leaders kind of moving. I've got the church focus. I've got the church like going again, and bam, it happens again. You know, God is so good. Before the lockdown came, he started speaking to me, saying, Rob, it's time to move. You've been at this mountain long enough. Keep going. So what I did, I started to read the prophetic words that God had spoken over individuals in our church. Every word that has been spoken where I was present, I've recorded. Every person. You know why? Because it is we, the church together, who will walk into the prophetic promises of God. And so I've got them all written down. I've got all the recordings of the tea, the person who makes tea, the person who stands at the door. It doesn't matter if a prophetic word came. I've got those words. And I started to listen back. All the prophetic words of the people, of the different leaders, of our elders, prophetic words spoken over the church. Trying to see again. Because <laughs> I'd gone... My vision had done this. Choose to start moving. It is time to take the hill country. And so I started to get a sense again of what God had said before we entered the whole COVID time. And I said, Lord, you have spoken. Your word is true. And Lord, I want us as a church to start walking into these things. Friends, I want to remind you, what has God said? Do not look at what is going on around you. Do not look at what the circumstances are. Do not look at Russia invading Ukraine and who, what happens next week. Tend to the things that God has already said over your life. It's wonderful to receive new words. And we all want the new and the refreshing. And woohoo, this is what God is saying. But what did God say 10 years over your life? Do you know? Can you bring those things before the Lord and say, Lord, you spoke these things out over me 10 years ago. I want to remind you today, God, of those things. And maybe God says, now is the time. Maybe God says, wait. But friends, that sense of living in the prophetic promises of God, taking it from behind us and bring it in front of us again, not living in a sense of being locked down and locked up. You know what happened? That 16th of December, we went into physical lockdown. I started to feel that God started to bring us out of a spiritual lockdown and the natural was no longer impacting the spiritual we were locked down naturally but in my heart i knew we were moving forward and so god started to move us as a church again wow time is flying eh? <laughs> friends don't stop don't stop moving when it gets tiring when you get stuck Put out your hand to somebody. Ask someone to pull you up, to pull you on. And that's, what, that's, that's what it's all about. Let's yeah. phone a friend. 50-50. <laughs> I don't know. How's the, how's the thing go? 
Find a friend. That's the only option. Reach out to Jesus and he will pull you through. The second point is allow yourself to be stretched. If you're feeling you're in a spiritual lockdown, allow yourself to be stretched. So the first one is choose to start moving. And the second one is allow yourself to be stretched. And we're going to read the text from Isaiah 54, verse 1 to 5. And it says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Think, oh, okay. That's like, uh, that doesn't fit the situation. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And friends, the big idea in the scripture here is fruitfulness. Is fruitfulness. And it is pictured by a tent which has been stretched and made bigger, covering more space. So it's a picture of a tent. So compare a two-man tent. Who's ever been camping in a two-man tent? How much space is there in a two-man tent? Uh, me, one man. Me and my stuff. But a two-man tent is built for two people. Nothing of a family. When I was growing up, we camped. And my, my dad had this huge tent. It was like everyone used to laugh at us on the campsite because it was so big. you know. But we were five kids and parents and... I remember going away with Laura and I just in the tent once, in the big tent, and I parked the car in the tent, and people come past like, oh, what's going on here? But we had a big tent as a family, but I also had a two-man tent. And so the idea is here, God has not given us a two-man tent. <laughs> Our church is not a two-man tent church. It's not big enough for me and my wife and me and my family. But the idea is fruitfulness, and that God wants to take this tent, stretch the tent, longer cords, stronger stakes, because he wants us to be fruitful. It's an interesting thing, this thing of fruitfulness, because fruitfulness has a, a direct impact on multiplication, on growing. And sometimes we want to say, well, I want to say small, and we, we have this all the time. You know, our, our church, we started small, and people were like, oh, everyone loving each other on a Sunday, and kissing each other, and hugging each other. It was, it was so industrial, the word, it's so gezellig, it means so cozy together. And then the church started to grow. Man, did those people complain. She. You've never had that because this is a Dutch thing, I'm sure. <laughs> Complaining people. But they complained because the church was not, it had not become what it used to be. But the church started to grow and the tent started to, why? Because we serve a God who would have that all men, not some, not two, not a two-man tent God, but a big tent God, that all men would be saved and come to know the knowledge of the truth. God so loved the whole world that he sent his son that all and whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Where are these people going to be housed? How big is the tent? And so friends, to come out of the spiritual lockdown, you see what lockdown does? Lockdown wants to make us small. Lockdown is never about making things bigger and opening things up. It's about making things smaller. So you go from the, the bigness of your city into the smallness of your home. And do not come out the door. 
That is what lockdown does. And so to come out of the spiritual lockdown, we need to start making some choices of stretching the tent and lengthening the cords and bigger stakes in the ground. And I would encourage you, if you're leading a church or leading a team at your church, maybe kids ministry, maybe worship, it may be the coffee team, sit with your teams and, and talk with each other and say, how do we need to stretch our tent bigger? How do we need to increase this tent which we are responsible for? And friends, what that does, it does something in our hearts and it does something in our thinking that we serve a big God who has a whole worldview. Not a small worldview, a whole worldview. So when you think about your church, don't think about your neighborhood. Think about your city. And don't just think about your city, think about the world. And that's the kind of God we serve. He's a big God with a big mission and a big plan. And we can go to spiritual lockdown thinking, I must just tend to these few sheep that God has given me. What if, what if God wanted to bring revival to your neighborhood and to your city? Is your tent able to be stretched on short term to accommodate these people, to bring them into a shelter? See, that's, that's faith. That's seeing. That's seeing what God is doing. Sometimes when God stretches us, it's painful and uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever felt that. person in your life and God is asking certain things of you. And it starts to hurt. It's like you, I, I, don't, I, I don't actually need this. <laughs> life is difficult enough, Lord. Just bless me, Lord. Just give me your blessing. But God said, actually, I want to stretch. I want, to, I want to make you bigger. And sometimes it's jolly, jolly uncomfortable. But you know what? What he asks us to do, he enables us to do. And he provides for what we have to do. Can I say that again? What God asks us to do, he enables us to do. And he also provides for what we need to do. And then the third point, so God, we, how do we get out of this spiritual lockdown as we choose to start moving. The second point is allow yourself to be stretched. Be strategic in that. And the third point is re-engage in your God-given purpose. So we spoke about that car that's just sitting revving. And you can have the most amazing looking car. What is a good car, guys or gals? What is a great sports car that you can get onto the German Autobahn? Who was I talking to yesterday about the German Autobahn? I was, yeah, yeah. And they were saying, well, like, how fast can you go? I said, well, like, you can go as fast as you want. So, well, how fast is that? I said, well, 250, 350. I've seen cars in video doing 400 kilometers an hour on the German autobahn. And it's legal. You're allowed to. So, what happens when you've got a car that can do 400 kilometers an hour and it's not in gear? You might as well be sitting next to a Fiat 500. Lorraine. <laughs> An Abarth, what do you call it? Yes, something like that, yeah. It doesn't matter how flash it looks. It doesn't matter how noisy it is. If it's not in gear, it's not going anywhere. And the same for us in our churches. We can have the best buildings. We can have the best worship. We can have the best children's ministry. But if we're not engaged in the mission that Jesus has taken us on, actually, we're not moving. We're not going anywhere. We're in a lockdown and in a form of survival. So I want to just read the scripture from Isaiah 32, verse 1 to 4. Isaiah 32, 1 to 4. And it says, See, 
a king will reign in righteousness, King Jesus, and rulers will rule with justice. Each man, so look at, the, look at this wonderful picture. There's a king reigning in righteousness, there's leaders ruling in justice, and then there's the each man. Each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in the thirsty land. And when this happens, friends, when each man is these things, a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, streams of water in the desert, a shadow in a, in a hot and dry place. It goes on a verse and it says, Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The mind of the rash will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. Credible scripture that. Credible scripture when each man, and I will add each woman, when each man and each woman, so we talk about each man, each woman. I can add to that each church. But I just want to bring it a bit smaller. Bring it down to you today. When you would stand as a shelter in the wind for somebody else. I mean, we've seen these great winds over the last week, haven't we? I mean, I've just we were in North Wales. I'm just seeing all these trees blown over and just like, like just devastation. But what happens when, when, when someone comes and just stands as a shelter in the wind? I will shelter you from the wind. And that, that's the calling that God has placed on us. When each of us becomes a stream in a desert, and so the world around us is dying of thirst, thirsting for hope, and you come as a stream of hope and life to them. Oh, what a privilege that is. A shadow against that burning hot sun. I was watching, um, I love that program, what's it called? Aussie Gold Hunters. You, you don't watch TV because you're quite spiritual. But uh, <laughs> Aussie Gold Hunters, and they, there's these guys, and they're like sometimes a husband and wife or a, just a guy on his own. And, I mean, it's quite crazy. They're just wandering around like the outback, and they've got a mine detector, what do you call it, a metal detector. And they're just looking for little bits of gold. And so that one guy there, it's like 48 degrees Celsius. 48. I mean, like, that's just hot. Well, what's it? What's it? You guys work in Fahrenheit, don't you? Okay, oh, Celsius. Okay. I mean, that, that's jolly hot. And then what if someone came and said, I will be a shelter against the burning sun for you, that you can continue. I just think, wow, that, that's what God has called us to do. And for us to come out of this lockdown, it's going to require choices from us. Not choices from our government. They can choose to do what they do as politicians. I'm talking spiritually for you and your churches and the teams you lead. We need to make choices to start moving again. Even when it's uncomfortable. Even when it doesn't suit us. We need to learn to allow God to stretch us. We need to learn to re-engage in this calling, in this great mission that Jesus has given us. Friends, one of the worst things we can do is lose, lose vision at this time. Our sense of purpose that, that God has given us. Jesus has taken us on his mission. He started something which he has given over to us to continue. But it does not help the world if we have gone into... You know what another thing I, what, what lockdown does? It makes the world small, but it isolates us. Yeah. And so that's the, the, the intent of lockdown, to isolate you from others. Yeah. But you're not isolated when you're doing these things. When I'm a shelter for you, when I'm a river for you. And so these are the choices we need to be making to come 
out of and through this time. So just to put that strength, just closing with that, just to put that strength in us and you today, to me today as well, I need it just as much as any man and woman in this room to, to know these things, to hear these things. Friends, to re-engage again, to say, actually, we, we're going to start walking. We're going to start looking again at what needs to be done, where the tent needs to be stretched, where we need to re-engage again, that Jesus can do what he needs to do through us. Thanks, Dave.